Anyway, just for those that don't know, my name is Stan, and um, I'm one of the elders at this church, at Glenridge Church, and for some reason, I put myself on this subject. I should have put Donnie on this subject. I don't know, I'm a bit doff, you know, but um, Steve said, no, we need to do something on practical deliverance. And I said, no, actually, very true, because we also having coming across this a lot um, in the last little while, last two, three months, we are having to deal with demonic manifestations in home groups and just generally, um, just there's an increase, I think, in what God's doing in this area. So um, just a whole bunch of disclaimers. I am by no means the ghostbuster of Glenridge. <laughs> Graham, please don't judge me. And, um, but I have had a quite a bit of experience around some of these things and in awkward moments and um, in meetings and not in meetings. And uh, so, so I, yeah, I thought, actually, let me give it a go. It's actually good for my prep and for, for us to kind of go on the journey. So my personal journey around this has really come around counseling people and really believing that truth sets people free. The truth does set people free. But I've, but I've also realized just through 20 years of pastoral experience, somehow some people have blockages. Some people somehow can't receive truth. Somehow there's this um, blockage or bondage, or, and it's like it's not breaking through. And I've gone before God and said, Lord, what does that mean? So I've realized part of this, there is, there's truth that sets you free, and truth does need to set you free. But sometimes, and I think this is one of the big things around this subject of deliverance, Friends, you, this is a place where people that write books on deliverance will tell you a million formulas of what to do and how to do it. It's not in the Bible. It's from experience. That's great. So it works for them and it's working for them. But just be careful. This is an e it's not an either-or topic, this. This is an and-both, and, and space. And there's lots of questions you need to be asking, and it's lots of humility you need to approach the subject with. And um, because I am a Bible guy, and if it's not in the Bible, I do wrestle with how I practice it. And so I want to emphasize what's in the Bible and hold loosely what, what we understand by experience. So some of what I'm going to talk about is experience, but it's, that's my experience. It's not God's truth. It's what I've understood around God's truth and how to apply it. And um, anyway, so I've realized that there's, this, there's these blockages with people, and, I've, and actually some people need spiritual deliverance, need an encounter with God to break something so that truth can enter, so that truth can get hold of. And, uh, and, I've, and then I've experienced that, and I've realized, oh, it's sheepers. There was actually issues there. There was traumas there. There was, there was things there that were blocking them from receiving truth. And as soon as you deal with that thing, then truth can come in and begin to transform and begin to change who they are. I think one of the big problems is in the church is many Christians live ignorant of the fact that we live in a spiritual realm. That this earthly realm is not just what we have. There is a spiritual realm with spiritual beings and heavenly beings and spiritual beings. We are earthly beings. We are part of God's earthly creation, but there's also a spiritual creation. And the way that those two parts interact with each other is very important. And when we on this planet, on this earth, open ourselves up to that, 
that influence comes into our lives and begins to distort our thinking and, and our working of our lives. The, the spiritual realm has a huge bearing on the earthly realm, friends. And, and, and I don't want to go into big theologies about this, but just to say that, I find we don't, people don't get that. Like we don't realize that actually when the Bible says your fight is not against flesh and blood, it's against powers and principalities, actually that's it. That's the truth. And so we, we, we live in this world of trying to understand how these things work together and fit together. This is also a realm of the subject in the realm of living in two extremes. We either want to cast out every problem that we have, one extreme, or we start counseling demons. You cannot counsel demons, you've got to cast them out. You see what I'm saying? We live in this, and I'm being dramatic there, evil spirits, demons. Also, that's... The language of this is so important because you can use dramatic language, evil spirits. I mean, the Bible talks about unclean spirits, evil spirits. Um, uh, demons just sounds like, ah, like you. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to kind of make the contrast here. But I'm, part of this is it needs to be demythologized and back into this realm. And the church needs to get a theology around demonology and all these things and bring it back into the center of, of church theology and the kingdom of God instead of it being held by the lunatics on the lunatic fringe of the church, where half the church is saying, get out of there, who are you? Instead of it being here in the realm of actually this is evil spirits influencing people's lives. And we have the authority, and the, the thing is, is, we've been given the authority to deal with it. It's who we are, it's what we do. Anyway. The other thing that this ministry does is it becomes very cause-driven and legalistic and fear-driven. That you've, if you've done this and if you've said this and you've done this, you've opened yourself, the next thing you think, oh my God, I'm like, I'm a living wreck. And one day I'm not a walking demon myself after. <laughs> I mean, you read the books of all the entry points and it's like you just think, oh my God, I'm flipping entered everything. <laughs> so it's real. And, and this is not play, but on the other hand, we don't live in fear with this stuff. It's, I need to talk, say these things to, because this is what makes this onto the lunatic fringe of the church. And instead of us having a good sound, it's almost like you need to do a whole weekend's teaching around this to develop a whole Bible theology around this, together with the inner healing kind of stuff, because it all works together. And I'll speak about that now. Anyway, you don't want to draw more attention to the devil than to God. And that's what happens with this. It's like you're more devil-focused than what you are God-focused. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. And we know this, that the reason that the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil. Please do understand that. The reason why Jesus came was to undo and to destroy what the devil put in place. So this is, this is why Jesus was here. And you see it right through the text. What God's called us to do is a wonderful thing. Mark chapter 1, verse 21, please. Let's just use that as a text. And um, some wonderful points out of that. hope I get to everything that I've got this morning. You know when you're kind of prepping, you think, what am I going to say? And the next thing you've got too much to say. And um, no, I never, eh, Mark? <laughs> never get that, eh? Mark chapter 1, verse 21. If anybody wants my notes, they're welcome to them. Not that they're going to help you, but 
but the, you know, they'll have the scriptures on them at least. This is what it says. They went to Capernaum, and, went to, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue. By the way, where is the man? In the church. No, Stan, Christians can't be influenced by evil spirits. They can't be, you can't be demonically possessed if you're a Christian. You can only be owned by one God. So if you're a Christian, you're owned by God. The problem there is the, the possession was a bad translation of a King James word. The, be, the better word is demonization. So you can be influenced by evil spirits as a Christian. Friends, this is real. Please do understand salvation is a form of deliverance. From dark to light. So your process of sanctification is an ever-growing and an ever-increasing learning and undoing all the fractured and broken weakness in your heart so that you can become more like Jesus. And the problem is, is the devil sits in the brokenness and the fractures of our hearts. They're called strongholds and footholds that come in there because of life and all that happens to us. And so our process of walking with God is just getting rid of them and just recognizing them and walking ahead and becoming more like Jesus and more whole. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit, there we say, so he could say possessed by a demon, by an impure spirit, by an unclean spirit. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? My greatest cry to God is, Lord, when I'm preaching, I want that question from the demons. Then I know that I'm doing something. I, honestly, I believe, I'm praying, I'm saying, Lord, when I preach, I want that. Because then you're preaching with authority. Lord, please help me to grow in my authority that that can be the case. The problem is in most churches, you'd be chasing out people instead of casting out demons. <laughs> we get out of here, what are you talking? No? Anyway, let's go. What do you want with us, Jesus and Nazareth? You have, have you come to destroy us? Yes, he has. He's come to destroy the works of the devil. I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Amazing, the devil knows exactly who Jesus is. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man. Notice, shook the man violently. There is a manifestation when people get delivered. I've sat in my office. A man was delivered. When I say snot came out of his nose, unnatural pouring out snot came out of his nose, like just endless, like, I'm thinking, my carpet, Lord. <laughs> Buckets, like just um, tissues, tissues, just streaming. Often, often when people get delivered, they, they breathe out. Because remember, the breath of God, like you breathe in, evil spirits get breathed out. Coughing, vomiting, shaking, violent shaking, are often manifestations of people being delivered. Just helpful to see straight from the scripture that these things happen. Um, where am I now? He, he uh, came out and came out with a shriek. Ah! Sometimes happens. People often demons speak with this guy when he spoke to me, the snot guy. He, he, he was like, his voice was one thing. The next thing it was, and what are you going to do about it? Thinking, jeepers, dude. 
and it was so hectic that there was such a wind, like there was a whirlwind, and it lifted the roof of the building off, of our building, like ripped the roof off. And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> Mark Van Petsen was sitting with me. The next thing we are like, Look, what's going on here? The roof is coming off. This oak's getting delivered, and this weird voice is kind of coming out of him, you know? Friends, this is real stuff. You don't have to go into Africa and convince people this is real stuff. It's only in America they don't believe this is real stuff. <laughs> it's like, be quiet, he said sternly, come out of him, etc. Uh, the people were amazed, and they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching and with authority? He gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region. Isn't it incredible? And I picked this up through my studies and you're looking at it. The way that the news spreads quickly, often with Jesus, is through deliverance. Through a manifestation of this. You see this in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, the sons of Sceva are toying in the name of Paul. The name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And they get a beating. You remember the story? And what happens is the people are amazed and the word of God spreads rapidly. When there's authority plays like this, the word of God spreads rapidly. I wonder whether this increase in demonic activity is not getting us ready for a massive revival. Because let me tell you what, you go into any church in Africa, the guy that's the man of the hour, he's got a big deliverance ministry. You go into South America, big deliverance ministry. And I'm not saying all of them are great theologically or endorsing that. I'm just saying when you look at the scriptures, it, it, the whole region begins to get influenced when there's genuine displays of authority being exercised by God's people. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in the bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. He went to look for her, took her hand, and helped her. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. Who would, and, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew he, who he was. So Jesus is operating now. This is like Mark chapter 1. This is like the beginning. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went out into a, a solitary place where he pray, prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So they traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogue and driving out demons. This is what Jesus did. You see this? This is what the apostles did. This is, I think this is meant to be a normal part of church life. But because we haven't got good theology and practice around it, it becomes something on the extremes of church life. Instead of people knowing who they are and whose they are, we don't exercise this well. And so people don't get free. I, I, I think God is wanting to highlight something to us in these days around something of this. Friends, in Genesis, in, 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 the, in, in Genesis when, the, when the fall happened, 
things got separated. God got separated from man. Man was separated from woman. Man was separated from creation. Just all these, man was separated from himself. And every single person is uniquely broken and fractured. And so their walk with God is uniquely fashioned for them for healing. And every one of those fractures and every one of those separations, the devil dwells between people, between God, and he is into keeping that separated. You've got to know that's why this happens. If there's any kind of division or disunity, that's why Paul is so profoundly strong on unity. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10, God's big purpose in life is to pull all things back together into unity, back to unite all things back together under the headship of Christ. That's his job. That's what we are busy doing now. He's, we're busy uniting everything, and he's going to use us and communities, and he, he's going to put us back together again. But by the, end, you, by the end of Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You've got to know it's not, fle it's, by f it's not flesh and blood you fight, but powers and principalities. We've got to know God's trying to put it back together again. The devil's trying to separate everything. There's going to be a fight. And we've got to put, a, uh, put our armor on and know who we are and whose we are so that we can take our stand and make sure that the separations become whole. And that's what this ministry is actually about. So, let me get past all that and get to getting people free and keeping them free. Um, there's so much to say on this. I just, I'm just going to literally touch on a few things. Hopefully it triggers some thoughts in your minds. And if you want to, I can give you some resources to read on this and um, some things to listen on this um, to kind, kind of round your, your theology off on some of these things. Getting people free and keeping them free. James chapter 4 verse 4 says this, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused it to dwell in us? You th think of that, eh? God is jealous for us. So in every one of those separations where we get distant from God or separated from God, God is like constantly wanting to close that gap. Because he's jealous for us. He's jealous for he wants to dwell there. He wants to live there. But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So I think right here you have something of a picture. I mean, there's many of them in the scriptures and different authors will use different texts to pull them together. It's nice to have an overview of all of them so that you kind of get a rounded understanding of it. But this is one of them. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. You don't fight the devil. We never, ever call to fight the devil. We call to submit to God and resist the devil and he flees. It's an incredible thing. The devil can only dwell where, he, where we give him right. Like, in the same way, God is not going to overwhelm you and be where he does, where we don't give him right. The devil can't be where he, and what gives the devil right is sin and brokenness and footholds and strongholds that come because of our brokenness. You submit to God, 
Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee f- from you. But you don't, just, you don't just submit to God and then the devil flees, but you've got to then come near to God. You've got to press into God and begin to wash your hands, begin to purify your heart. You begin to work on that because the Bible says when you clean the house, and if you don't fill it with God, seven times worse comes back. So the idea is you actually need to fill the space with God. You need to fill that with God. So submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee. But then you've got to press into God and allow God to do the work. All the mending, all the welding, all the broken pieces. Let him put it back together again. Do the hard work of thinking while you are broken and going back to what your root issues are. So number one around these things, just I've got a couple, a few R's. First one is to repent. You want to get free. So the reason why I'm telling you this, let me just give you some context here. I've been in church before, recently, in a kind of a city meeting, and a girl starts manifesting. Young girl, Hindu girl, comes from a Hindu background. Starts manifesting. People are then, and then it's kind of, it's not, doesn't come to our church. It's kind of not my meeting, although it's my building. You know what I mean? It's like a little bit like, okay. But what happens is oaks are casting and casting and casting and casting in the name of Jesus and louder and louder in the name of Jesus. Loudness doesn't increase your authority. (laughs) Changing your voice to a holy voice doesn't make you more authority. Knowing who you are and whose you are gives you authority. Bold and confident in him, humble before him, but confident in him is what gives you authority. So guys are literally spent most of that meeting and then an hour after the meeting casting and casting and casting. And this girl is writhing, eyes are back, only can see the white. Her mother's there, standing there. Eventually I go to them and say, guys, listen, you are making her body a battleground. Stop this now. Not only that, everybody's getting discouraged because you're casting out in the name of Jesus and it's not working. Not helpful. I'm thinking, guys, this is not helpful for her. It's not helpful for everybody else. The reason why this thing is not going is because it's got legal right to be there. You need to ask what the doors are. You need to ask why it's there. What what gave you legal right? What brokenness? Occult, Hinduism. It's in family line. It's in there. You've now, she's got to repent. You've got to, you've got to realize, and repentance, please, just, again, I see, how do I fit all this in? Like you, repentance is not saying I'm sorry. Repentance is about a revelation of what's wrong. And once you have the revelation, you might need to say I'm sorry. But just saying sorry, because you know you should say sorry, doesn't mean anything. The power comes because you have a revelation of that's what the problem is. That's what's wrong. When you realize, oh, that revelation goes deep into your heart. And when that hits you, then you can say, I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't know, Lord, Uh, et cetera, et cetera. The response comes after that. Otherwise, it becomes empty. It just lacks power. You're doing it because somebody told you that you should do it. Or you know you should do it in your head. So timing in these things is absolutely crucial. If somebody is not ready for this, don't do it. If, they, if you've got more faith than them, don't get involved. They, they have got to have a space of being ready to go down this road. They've got to, have a, they've got to be 
repentant. They've got to know that they recognize and recognizing what God is doing, understanding truth and realizing what this means. There's only, there's basically two big things that get us free in all of Christianity, repentance and forgiveness. That's it. How do you get free? Repentance, realizing. I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. Now I know. Oh, that's wrong. Confessing my sin. Getting onto the same page of, with God. Oh, Lord. And then forgiveness. Either forgiving somebody or receiving forgiveness. That's it. Most things get dealt with right there. But you've got to realize that's the thing. When you get to that thing, most of the time, all you've got to do is, Lord, I am, that's what I did. I'm sorry, Lord. It's not in line with your word, and I realize I was deeply wrong. Or, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, please forgive that person for doing that to me. Release and power starts to come. So repent. Recognize. You must recognize this thing. Recognize the open doors, the things that got there in the first place. Friends, and these are, again, you can go through list and list and list and list, depending on who you read. But the, the, the conditions have to be right for evil spirits to, to come in there. If, they, if the conditions are not right, like submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees. So as soon as you resist, he can't be there. So conditions have to be exactly right. And de demonic spirits only have authority where there's sin. Like there's no, they haven't got grounds to be there. It's only in the divisions. It's only in the brokenness. It's only, that's the only place they can live in. The occult, obvious. And the problem with the occult, friends, is that people in occult, depending on the thing that you're in, as you begin to make oaths and declarations for you and your family and your generations, it's, that's not play-play stuff, guys. Principalities and powers say that, and they stamp it. Got you, your kids, the kids, the kids, the kids. And there's a, whole, there's a whole thing. Do we believe in generational influences and this? I don't even call them generational curses because it's a bad word. But I believe in generational influences. If you've been in the occult and you've made declarations and you've got stuff, it's not, it's not, the, it, you're gonna, it's not God's curse that you're against. It's the devil's curse. In Christ, we're not under God's curse. We're free. But if your family and your parents and whatever have made declarations and made agreements agreements, contracts with the devil, they get enforced. You've got, and, and you understand that you get before that and you break it. Again, it's not rocket science, guys. It's just recognizing that, understanding that, breaking that off and making me free from that because I'm no longer on that because the, co the covenant with Jesus trumps everything. It trumps everything. And sometimes when people get saved, it literally just obliterates everything. But other people, it doesn't. I don't know why. That's why you don't come with all the solutions. You ask questions. And you ask the questions, what about this? What about that? Maybe it is. I don't understand. The occult is one of the big open doors into this, into this place. Ancestral worship, guys. Huge. In Africa, huge. Sexual sin, trauma. 
meet with 55-year-old men who've been abused as a five-year-old, carrying this stuff. And suddenly it comes to memory that actually they were abused as a five-year-old. They confessed their sin. Well, not, it's not even their sin. It was what was done to them. And suddenly freedom comes. They begin to recognize all the patterns of their sinful behavior because we are wired, hardwired to be natural interpreters of what goes on around us. And our problem, our sin is that we interpret that to mean a bad God. We interpret that to be lies instead of truth. So when sin happens to us, it distorts our life, it distorts the truth, and so we begin to believe lies. And then we live out the lies. So this 55-year-old man always looked for significance in everything he did. Super generous, but for significance. Why? Because whenever he gave money, he was still the five-year-old boy. Now, that's not a hectic, overt, demonic casting out a demon. But that's spiritual influence right there. Trauma. Any kind of trauma. Any kind of event that creates shame. Where you get, where you get, where you get, where you lose your value, your created value. are little cracks that the devil then goes in and just sits there. can sit there for years. And then he gets the jaws of life, but that are the opposite jaws of life. You know, the ones that open it up instead of closing it down, just... When you get married. That's what I'd do if I was him. Just wait. When you get married, and all of a sudden, you realize there's an issue there. You've got to deal with it. Wounds, emotional hurts. Habitual sin, addictions, friends. And I know there's psychological things around addictions. But friends, addictions are also spiritual things. When you've got an addiction, addiction is a worship disorder. You're worship, you begin, you so get broken and you so thin, you begin to worship something else that you cannot but worship that. And eventually, God wants his worship back again. And so the healing has to take place, the repentance, the recognition, all those things. And the healing has to come back. So eventually God is the one that actually brings that. And part of that process, I'm convinced, needs deliverance. When I say deliverance, it's a, it's, it's a yuck word. It needs, it needs spiritual um, work to bring freedom. It needs a person, so I've said repent, recognize, take responsibility. The person that we're ministering to has to take responsibility. If they do not take responsibility, you can't take responsibility for them. That's why I said timing is such an incredible thing. They have to close the doors. So you can help them recognize that and be very careful about I'll get into the practical now. The kingdom of God is about Jesus taking back authority. That's why this thing of is Jesus Lord or Savior? The kingdom, the gospel is Jesus is Lord again. God, he's taken it back. He's taken it back. He is Lord again. Matthew chapter 28. All authority is mine. And so actually, the, 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 that's what the kingdom is about. And so actually, us coming into the kingdom is us taking authority back over our lives under the authority of Christ. But it means us taking responsibility for that. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says this, We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. It's an incredible thing. And we take, every, sorry, and take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. All of these things stop us from knowing God. That's the whole point. If the devil can separate you and God, he separates you from the life source. He separates you from freedom. He separates you from everything. If he, that's what he wants. But it says here, we don't wa- wage war like the world does. We, use, we use, have divine power to demolish strongholds. And it's these strongholds that I believe in deliverance kind of ministry and in this process of turning people's lives around by ministering to them, not just counseling them. And there's a difference between counseling and ministry. Some people just need counseling. But other people need ministry. They need, they need an encounter with God. They need, to, they need God to unseat something and unlock something spiritually and emotionally in their lives. And please do remember, we are, the, the argument are threefold, twofold human beings, spirit, uh, body, soul, and spirit. Or Friends, the, every time the, men, the, the Bible mentions body, soul, or spirit, or are we two, is it soul and spirit, or is it, you know, it's just body and spirit, or is it body and soul? The point of all of those things, every time the Bible mentions it, is to make this point, we are one. Every part affects the other. We are not divided like the Gnostics, that you can play in this part and not affect the other part. We are, we are, we are God, created by God, that we are one. W- what we do with our spiritual life has a bearing on our physical life, and what we do with our b- physical life has a bearing on our emotional life and on our spiritual life. We are connected. All our parts are connected into one. We love the Lord with our, our God with all of who we are, not just with our spiritual parts. That's the point. So this thing here of we, we would take divine power, stops you from knowing God. I can't remember even what I was getting on there now. Anyway, I had a point. We renounce. We, make, we recognize what the enemy has done, and we renounce it. We, there's got to be a place where that person takes responsibility and renounces it. Why do I say that? And I make people do this. And I say that because... When the kingdom of God comes, and when the king sings out an edict in the natural world, sends out a piece of paper and sends out his messengers, what does the messenger do? Stands in the town square and begins to declare it. And everybody knows. It's like there's something about the kingdom of God coming with declaration. The kingdom of God comes with the pronouncement. Words are very important. It establishes, we know that, words establish things. And so part of this is, I need to renounce that. Lord, forgive me for that. For Lord, I now believe that. Like, say that. You've got to actually believe that and say that. They've got to get to a place where they do believe that. They've got to replace the lie with the truth. That's the next thing, replace. You've got to replace the lie with the truth, and they've got to declare it. I love what Neil T. Anderson says. He says, people are not in bondage to past traumas but rather to in bondage to the lies they believed about themselves, about God, and how to live as a result of that trauma. That's why truth sets you free. It's the lies we believe. It's our response to the traumas. It's our what happens there. 
It's so important what we do. We've got to resist. We've got to rejoice. And can I say resist, uh, resisting and rejoicing is an ongoing process. <laughs> it doesn't just, okay, I've resisted now and I'm done. No, it's going to come again. You've got to learn to resist until eventually that becomes second nature to you. And it doesn't mean that it, does, it stops coming. It just means I just know how to deal with it. That's, I, opt, I tell people that. Guys, doesn't just learn how to deal with this. And eventually it becomes second nature. Fine. And begin to rejoice and to begin to thank God. And then lastly, restore. Become a restorer. Your job's not complete until you, until you become somebody that's taking others through that. The practicals of this, as we come to an end, I have been, this is like a full shotgun approach. But anyway, hopefully it'll stir you. Never do this by yourself. Never minister to people by yourself. This is something that is to be done by twos. Be careful how you minister around different sexes, genders, all these things. Just do, friends, again, I, I want to reiterate, the, real, the spiritual realm is real. It's not a game. You know, you know, churches in our nation go to Sangomas and they pay a lot of money to get a spell. And after they paid a lot of money to get a spell, their churches grow extraordinarily. Lady said, I know, I know. That's it's real. It works. This is, this is not play, play stuff. So all I'm saying is just not by, never by yourself. And understand this is real. So be prayed up. Be prayed up. This is, you're, not, you're not just playing games here. It's just ah, yeah, a bit of, bit of deliverance here, yeah, a bit of this here, yeah, a bit of inner healing here. Yeah. No, number one, it's people's lives. Number two, this is a real realm we're dealing with. And we don't, we don't go into it lightly. It's, it's, not, it's not fearful, but just sober around what we're doing. Number two, around the practicals, remember the process that people are in. Often the reason they come to you is not the, re the, the deliverance they need. I've learned this. The reason they come to you is not actually the deliverance they, ne they need. The, the reason they come to you is the fruit, but actually the reason what they're there is to deal with something else. Because, and to get to that something else, you've got to ask a lot of questions. Again, if somebody's manifesting on the side of the floor because they're flopping around and the devil's there, this is different. There's, there's, the, there's these moments where we need spiritual deliverance. That person, can I just say, if they're in the meeting, you go up to them and you silence that thing. And you speak peace over that until that person is calm. And then you take that person out the room. Not because you're embarrassed for everybody to see, but you don't want to draw attention to the devil in any way. And you also don't want to embarrass them. So you take them out the room, and then you go through this process with them. Ask them questions. What, 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 what? I was in Nelspruit a, couple, a month or two ago. And at the end of the meeting, I was praying. praying. Was, I'd, spoken, I'd just finished speaking about Ephesians chapter 6. And a lady manifests in the meeting. Uh, this is like my dream. You've got to know. 
Lord, please, man, I want more of this. Action, like this is, but apparently it's never happened in their church before, so. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, so Rudolph, Rudolph and all the O's are woof to this lady. You know, she's like, ah, on the floor. Da, da, da. Anyway, so they take her to the side. Now, by the way, now I'm ace up. There's no elders gone. By the way, guys, thanks for having, I'm sure there's tea and coffee, but I'd love to, I'm sure there's going to be other people to see you next week. I won't see you next week, but cheers, you know, like one of those. Amazing thing, eh? They take her to the side. They chat to her. She was desperate for a job. Ten days before that, she'd gone to Sangoma to get a job. She comes into church. Presence of God, authority of God is there. It triggers that thing, and she gets free. It's real, guys. Please don't play with it, but don't be scared of it. You've got authority. Who you are and whose you are in him. Process, process, understand people are in process. Ask questions. Don't project. Projecting is this, is when you have the answer before they've even ha- finished speaking. Because you've heard this before. And you lots of questions don't make a person's body the battleground I've spoken about that unforgiveness when it comes unconfessed sin all these things you go through that you can't take them where they don't want to go I've spoken about that already as well Um, timing the timing of these things don't rush don't rush If if, if, if that's where they've got to and they're not free next time Bold and confident in who you are and whose you are. And lastly, whoever goes and learns from you, learn by observation. Humble yourself. Constantly asking others questions. Leading life. Understand getting into the process. Sharing your experience with others so they can learn from you. Just a few things that, a few thoughts that I want to bring about this and say about it. Obviously, helpful. I actually want you to have a look. 
with the time. It's, it's not it's a constant waiting. Because the issue, as you know, most people, because the future comes to anyone, don't worry so long you're still lying that God's saying you're coming. Okay, we're not in that moment. You're between every chapter and every chapter. But be confident in what is going to be. And even if, it, even if it calms down and relaxes, you're not going to have an Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's very challenging. Oh, sorry, there we go. Just sure. um, because it's, it's like a, it's such a multifaceted journey almost. Oh, and wow. what I think we realize more is that people need to come into community. And just to really encourage people exactly. to be sitting under the word on Sundays, being in worship, Absolutely. being in small groups, in that process. Absolutely. Because like one session of deliverance, that thing ain't going in Absolutely. one session. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's a process of you being part of. That's why it's res, uh, submit to God, resist the devil. And then it's the process of wash your hands, be, the, be the, from James chapter 4. There's a whole process after that that you learn to submit to God in a greater way. And community is a huge part of that. But to be honest with you, split personalities and that, that's like way beyond my, my realm of um, thought. Graham might have a few question. <laughs> 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 Might have a few things. Yes, Sonia. Last question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so fighting is you go and look for a fight with the devil. You go and pick a fight because I know who I am and whose I am. Like, uh, like the sons of Sceva, but actually you, you, you're showing off. You're not... You're not Whereas resisting is, is, is there's almost like a, a sense of, 
of you are, you know who you are, and so you can stand. Ephesians chapter 6, the way the victory is won there is to stand. He says, withstand and stand and then stand again. It's not, it's not, a, it's not this overt taking on the principalities and powers and, and picking a fight with, the, with something that you shouldn't be picking a fight with. Actually, you're clothed and you can stand. And as soon as you stand, he, he flees because he can't get in there. It's like there's no point. So, Sean, I think it's something like that, something around those sorts of things. But I'm, I'm more meaning where people go and think that they're the Ghostbusters of Durban and they're like, you, 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 are, you, are, you don't even know what you're doing in the spiritual realm around those things, like what, what you're bringing on yourself. Like, you don't do that. Like, you humble before God, but confident in Him and in your authority. Anyway, yeah. can do anything i don't know like you but that's why discernment and again i'd hate to say no that's definitely when you start to see patterns you ask questions so you ask the question but it, I, I would hate to say if that's the case then that's the case because if that happens then that's the case because you are we i certainly i haven't got that confidence to do that you know so maybe other people are of greater equipped in this area that can do that you know but but I'd, I'd, be, I'd be wary of that, you know. So I would be asking b- better questions. And then if there is something there, then chase, follow that up and then pray into that, you know. So anyway. got to be so careful and because they are so linked and you are so connected you, you've got to be very discerning about these things you know so I'm I'm nervously I'm nervously bold and confident to say it's this or that but uh, just be careful because most of the people that do that ah, it's this and it's that end up putting people in bondage and fear and then everybody's like cause and it's like weird you know two anyway exactly exactly Anyway, guys, coffee. Let's go and have some coffee. Thanks.